Okay. Uh, 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 welcome to. Oh. I'm sorry. No, were you gonna say something? I wasn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, then in that case, uh, welcome to the Accelerative Thrust Podcast. Uh, my name is uh, Dan, and um, and, and yeah, Eric over there. I'm Eric. Did you want me to? I, do you want me to keep introducing you, care. or do you want to just... I, I don't oh. care. We did not do any sort of introduction on the last episode, though, at all. Not No, nothing. not at all. We just uh, <laughs> didn't say the name of the podcast, our names, nothing. Yeah. So, um, That's yeah. okay. Wasn't the first and won't be the last. No. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, it might have been the first. Uh, I think there were at least... a. I think there was at least one other one where I was like, oh, we didn't oh, say our names right. at all. Yeah. Accelerative thrust, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know, like, I had, I guess I kind of had a random thought like just pop into my head that has nothing to do with anything nice it's very very pointless piece of information that is probably something that went over my head hmm. uh and i'm sure that everybody else is just like yeah duh dan you you never realize that hmm. like so you know the barks root beer i do okay so <laughs> You know, the Barks has bite, right? Uh-huh. So is that like when they say Barks has bite, mm -hmm. is it like, okay, so like a dog barks and a dog can bite too. Oh, so is snap. It, I never thought of that either. Yeah. So is it like, is that like barks what that's has supposed to bites. Barks has bites. Damn, yes. you're a genius. <laughs> is, it, is it referencing a dog? <clears throat> well, yeah. I mean, it it, it tracks, you know, like. Like uh, their bark is worse than their bite kind of idea. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. I always thought it just meant because it has caffeine. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, the, yeah, that's always been like the only root beer that had caffeine. I remember, uh, mm -hmm. and I was shocked when I learned that it did because I, that, I think parents everywhere hated that company as mm. well as Sunkissed Orange because they were lying to everybody. They were subtly putting caffeine in their products. Whoa, I didn't so, know Sunkist had it too. Yep. That's great. Sunkist has <laughs> caffeine as well. And nice. uh, so they were sudden. And I think even Ruby, for some reason, Ruby Red Squirt has it too. <laughs> but not the regular squirt, just really? Ruby Red. Really? I thought yes. Squirt did. I don't know. Maybe don't Squirt know, does. Well, no, I don't think it does because uh, I saw some the other day, and it actually emphasized caffeine-free on the label. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So basically what they were doing is they were making these parents, and it's it, it was definitely the company's fault because, I mean, parents don't really have any responsibilities, so they, they yeah. just really have to, you know, they have to rely on everybody to do things for them. <laughs> and so um, basically, like, these companies were forcing these parents to give their kids their products, uh, thinking that, okay, it's okay. Cause it's 10 o'clock at night and doesn't have caffeine. Hmm. It's, the sugar doesn't do anything. It's just the caffeine, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, uh, I love caffeine. Yeah. I love it too. so much. It's the, it's one of the best things. 
uh, I'm in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Uh, what's mm. your favorite form of caffeine, or what's your favorite drink that has caffeine? Oh, in? I was gonna like, say I just snort it or freebase it mostly. Yeah. But, Do um, they sell they sell them in those little packs now? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> So wait, what form like coffee or soda or yeah, coffee, that kind of thing? soda, tea. Um, um, I like coffee because it has the like the most caffeine. Mm-hmm. But I love it in anything. I'll have it in an energy bar. I don't a shot of espresso. I'll even take a, a caffeine pill if they still make them. I have no idea. <laughs> that was a big thing when I was a kid, like Viverin. It's like, come on, man. Viverin. Jeez. I do. <laughs> that I don't remember. But I, I hmm. what scares me more than anything is those energy drinks. Like, oh, yeah. That are, you know, like Monster and all that stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know why. It just, that seems like an intimidating, even though it probably, in the grand scheme of things, maybe doesn't have as, like, like I have no problem drinking a whole pot of coffee, right? <laughs> which I guarantee. Well, has. I think it's offset by all the sugar and other stuff too. Yeah. And all yeah. the other stuff added to it, but it's yeah. like, uh, it's scary. That's an intimidating way to well, have caffeine. I think that that's the, the idea, you know, like they're, they're banking on the people drinking monster energy, energy drink, thinking that they're cool. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you and know, they are. It's kind of like I, I eat a lot of hot chips. Oh, they are cool. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. But I eat a lot of really hot chips, and I'm always real. I always like the uh, the packaging of those because they're just like this will fucking melt your face, chips. Yeah. You know, and yeah. uh, it's kind of the same thing. It's like see, like energy drinks and like hot chips and like hot Cheetos and things like that mm-hmm. instantly makes me think of like like strobe lights and that voice that you just did <laughs> strobe lights yeah well like just, at a or, rave like, or at, yeah like neon like okay. stuff hmm. like neon lights that have like the monster claw and wow maybe the hot cheetos label this is just in my mind what that stuff reminds me of it's all like it seems wow. marketed specifically to like those people that are hmm. like willing to just like Cyber goths. <laughs> Cyber goths. Yeah. L- live life with no consequences, gotcha. which brings me to another uh, point. Yeah. What if life had no consequences? Well, it doesn't. Well. Oh, I you mean, mean in, in not in the just the overarching grand scheme of things. You mean right. Day I mean, to like, day. Okay. Mm. Like, like I always envied Bill Murray's character in Groundhog Day. Oh, sure. What the hell was yeah. his name? Uh, what was the character's name? I don't remember. Was it? Uh, it was Phil. Phil. It was Phil, yeah. yeah. Like the groundhog. Yeah, Phil. Yep. I always envied Phil for, yeah. like, being able to, like, drive head on into a train <laughs> on train tracks and wake up well, the next morning. Well, if that's what you're talking about, then technically there would be no um, consequences for that. Yeah, because you'd yeah. be dead. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, but in his life, though, he just wakes up oh, the next day. I see. Yeah, right. So, like, okay. what if what if there really was, like, a real-life Groundhog Day that happened to somebody? Like, somehow something happened in this matrix huh. that we live in, and it glitched in someone's life to where they could never just go. It's like they have hmm. to wake up no matter what happens. 
They, well, you could probably accomplish that with some VR pretty well. <laughs> well, well yeah, are you, you mean V8? Since we're v- talking about drinks? VR. <laughs> virtual reality. Oh, virtual. Okay, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Right. So, so not the, You might not get it out of V8. I don't know. Yeah, it's got a like, lot of vegetables. It's in got it. a lot of vitamins. Like it's a real. <laughs> it was actually the original energy drink. That's true. I just, I just saw that on a commercial. Oh wow! Yeah, V8, the original energy drink. That's what yeah. they're marketing it as now. Yeah, that's now good. see, so you got one side of the energy drink market that is the neon lights and the technos and all that <laughs> stuff, but then you got the V8, which is like the gardeners. And, mm. you know, stuff like that. And so they're like the hippie goths. Yeah, the hippie goths, exactly. <laughs> Everything they, has to be goth. Just what, what they style. Don't, <laughs> they don't really dig the uh, neon lights. They like carrots and tomatoes yeah, and stuff. Right. Sun. They like the sun. Mm. Oh, man. That's what they like. The sun and the wind. Yeah. Sometimes the rain, maybe. Yeah, maybe they're not There's, goths at all. Well. Maybe, maybe the, we've discovered a... A group of people that somehow aren't goths. <laughs> yeah. I always thought everybody was, just yeah. automatically. Just some derivative, some some subsect of goth. I mean, that's how is, I operate. Is there I anything know. is there any such thing as a happy goth? Like a like a satisfied goth. Do they exist? Well, I don't know. I mean it, it's tough because I it depends on what you allow to fall under the category of goth like i would not say that the cure is goth necessarily mm-hmm. but robert smith definitely is a happy upbeat person some of the time you know yeah. wearing big bear costumes and uh day glow socks in the videos and you know stuff yeah. like that and <laughs> I, I forgot about that yeah so i don't i don't know i think that I think goth is whatever you want it to be, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's a state of mind. Yeah. You know? It Forget just means you don't really stuff. like the beach. I think that's all it really comes down to. It's like, oh. do you like setting in the sun? No. Well, you're probably goth then. Okay, so then I was wrong. The the um, V8, V8 sector of the energy drink crowd, they're not goth. They're just hippies. Right. No, okay. they might be death hippies, though, I think is a... Like you know. Alice Cooper? Uh, maybe like Gish era Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> that definitely is a much better. But see, like somebody said, like, I think it was King Buzzo from the Melvin said that he liked the um, the angry hippies like Alice Cooper. He called Alice Cooper an mm. angry hippie. He did. Mm-hmm. He was discovered by uh, Frank Zappa, which I would definitely mm. say that Frank Zappa would fall under the category of angry hippie if there were such a thing. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, he's not, I definitely don't think he was a hippie, but he, you know, Hmm. like a hippie is not an angry hippie is not a hippie. Angry (laughs) hippie is just a whole nother genre of person. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we're defining all these subcultures so that our listeners know what they can or cannot do. Exactly. Um, Well, I mean, that's our goal. Because like with punk rock, I mean, I mean, come on. There's one way to be punk and every other way is being a sellout. And, yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I'm not even going to tell you what what way there is to be punk because you'll just screw it up. You know, yeah, it's like exactly. Either like, you know or you don't. That's. I mean, even 
Even the even yeah. the ones that actually live the true punk lifestyle screw it up some eventually. <laughs> so really, there is no like real punk rock. It's all fake. Well, I don't know. It's it's a tough one. Yeah, I think it has something to do with uh, having or not having a mohawk. I don't remember. <laughs> one way you're a punk, and one way you're a poser. So I don't know. Figure it out. The question is: Is what kind of dye are you using on that mohawk? Yeah. Yeah, that's are you a big real... sellout using Manic Panic, or do you use Kool-Aid yeah. like a, a real cool person? <laughs> do you on. think Kool-Aid is bad for the hair? Eh, probably not. I don't know. Hmm. You probably already just bleached it with peroxide anyway, so, you know, probably not going to screw yeah. it up anymore. That's true. If, if, Man, if it's already... I haven't had crazy colored hair in a long-ass time. Feeling yeah, weird no, about me it. neither. Same here. I, um... We need to we need to bring it back. We need to bring it back. So wait, that be, since I haven't had weird colored hair in a long time, am I a poser or a sellout? Or if I did get weird colored hair, would I then be a poser? See, it's just really difficult. Yeah, for me to there's out. no real like. Yeah, no that that's exactly it. It's yeah. like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. And that's the damned. Rock. Our punk rock. The, so. the, the, the damned are punk rock. <laughs> so the damned do. The, the, the damned, yeah, do. And they are. They do. They, they do are, and they are. And they, I am. Oh, my there was God. A mus, there was a muscatine <laughs> band called I Am We Are. And I always wow. liked that title. Wow, that's pretty cool. Were yeah, they good? I, like I mean, it. did you like yeah, their they music? Were, yeah, 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 they were great. Uh, I don't. I mean, I, I know who was in the band. Uh, hmm. I think, I I know that a dude who I used to play with named Ian was the drummer, and hmm. I don't even really remember the other members. Wow. And like, yeah, no, but they were good. So they were called I N, like Ian. I N we are. <laughs> I N we no. are. <laughs> I am. I am. We are. Oh, that's yeah. that's a good name. Yeah, I am. So like. That just made me think of like the damned do and are. Hmm. So that's nice. That should have been an album title from them. The damned do and are. I like it. We do and are. We do who we are. <laughs> we do 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 are. So yeah. <laughs> um, so basically, what my takeaway is from our intro talk, our mm-hmm. babble today. Goth's rule. Yeah. Uh, hippies are okay. Yeah. And punkers are sellouts. We nailed it. I'm sure everyone's very uh, happy with themselves that they they listened to us and learned so much about. I mean that that is the goal. Yeah, that is the goal of everything. <clears throat> Anytime you guys need any questions about what you need to do, just consult yeah. one of us. <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, this that would actually be a great time to message us on the accelerative thrust. Right. Yeah. If you have questions about <laughs> what it takes to be goth, um, uh-huh. or you know, what you can or can't do to be punk, then just let us know. Cause I mean, we're obviously authorities. We have a podcast, <laughs> right? You can't, so. you can't, you can't hate on that. Nope. Yep. <laughs> you gotta love it. Oh my God. Okay. Let's get on with the music. How's All that right. That sounds really fantastic. Eric, I believe you're up to bat first. All right. While I was sitting here talking, I was looking up death hippies to see if that was a real thing um 
because I, I do think it's a real thing. I, I think that it's it it kind of crosses over into cult territory sometimes. But right. you know, death of hippies. Hold on. You know? The band or the the thing? Oh no, the thing. Yeah. Okay, the, gotcha. The thing that I, apparently I made up. But um <laughs> but uh because of that, the first thing on my screen is the wiki Wikipedia entry for death. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> It's like the second most wicked thing besides life. Life, think, death, um, sex. Those are the top wiki so hits of all time. The fact that there is Wikipedia pages about life, death, and sex <laughs> yeah. really makes me wonder what <clears throat> other things there are Wikipedia pages oh, for. I bet they're, they're for everything. Everything. So like yep. dirt. Like, you know. But one thing that's not on there, dirt, yeah. <laughs> one thing that's not on there is the history of twang guitar. That's not on Wikipedia? Yeah. So I'm just going to have to talk about Dwayne Eddy, I guess. So, well, there we go. There that, we go. That, that was a beautiful segue. Into Thanks. That. So my first pick is a record by Dwayne Eddy. It's called Have Twangy Guitar Will Travel. It came out in 19... 19- 58 which is a long time ago um you don't even have to do the math that's a long time ago um so Dwayne eddie uh basically was a guitar player um and maybe still is i don't know if he's alive or not anyway um he pretty much invented the idea of twang guitar and there'll be a lot of people that don't agree with me on that Oh, he's still alive. He's 83. Hmm. Maybe he'll listen to oh, this. Oh, wow. Um, but, <laughs> okay, so the term twang, yeah, it's like can cover a couple of different things. The the nasal singing associated with country, um, the sound of the uh, pedal steel in country music, both of those things probably were referred to as twangy before what Dwayne Eddy did. But... What Dwayne Eddy did was took a regular guitar um, and he used a combination of reverb, uh, tremolo, and a picking technique where he really um, snapped the bass strings when he played. And this became sort of what we now call like twang guitar, I guess. Um, Examples of twang outside of Dwayne Eddy, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of it. Everything from Twin Peaks to the Cactus Blossoms to endless country and early rockabilly songs. Um, It's just the reach of twang is far and wide. So and I am a twang worshiper. I I love it. I love it in all of its forms, even if it gets a little cheesy, which is my first point about this Dwayne Eddy record. Don't go into this thinking it's all cool, like atmospheric, slow twang stuff like Twin Peaks. It's not. For the most part, this is early rock and roll. Veers into country a little bit sometimes. Um, Some of the arrangements are really cheesy. There's a saxophone on nearly every song, and most of the time it ends up in this sort of Benny Hill style saxophone, which doesn't really exude coolness. Um, but that's not really the point. This is more of a, 
archaeological thing to hear what Dwayne Eddy's doing with the guitar. And then, of course, you have like Rebel Rouser, which is almost basically the pinnacle of twang guitar to this day. Um, but there are some pretty cool um, atmospheric elements to it all, too. Uh, a couple songs that really stick out to me are um, the, sorry, Stalkin is a song uh, that could be put into just about any John Waters movie, but also just about any David Lynch movie. Loving You is a slow ballad, which has a really nice twang stuff, The Walker. Um, the 330 Blues is another cool song. There's a lot of traditional ones, too, though, like Cannonball and, I don't know, Mason Dixon Lion, which is actually kind of a cool song. It has a recorded lion in it for no reason. Uh, anyway, uh, the percussion in it's pretty cool. The drummer comes in real hard, kind of sounds like a gorilla playing the drums. Um, he just beats the shit out of them. There's a lot happening, too, in the backgrounds, which I'm always a big fan of. A lot of clapping, yelling, exclamations. You can tell it's a live band being recorded. And, yeah, if you're into twang guitar, check this out. Some of it's going to be cheesy. I'll just tell you that up front. But the guitar playing is solid, and you can see how it led to so much more in modern music. So, yeah, what do you think, Dan? Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. It is, um, <clears throat> as you said, uh, and I'm not as familiar with the world of twang as you are. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this really did remind me of uh, just kind of like spaghetti western Quentin Tarantino mm -hmm. movie scores. You know, stuff like that. Um, really, really uh, beautiful, gorgeous tone. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, there's, it's, it, it was just a lot of fun to listen to. And I kind of wish that I could add more to the, to it, but I kind of feel like you described it, um, perfectly with your explanation, Eric. It, uh, hmm. if you're a fan of twangy guitar at all, uh, you're going <laughs> to love this. It's just, um, I, I do want to kind of add to a point that you made about mm -hmm. examples of twang. Um, yeah. I also hear kind of, um, like a surf rock element kind of going For on sure. as well. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that probably was heavily borrowed in the surf, mm -hmm. surf rock community quite a bit as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just really fun guitar work to listen to. You can tell that, uh, Dwayne Eddy was passionate about what he was playing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you're if you're a fan of just that kind of stuff, I mean, you know, think of like the um like a slowed down version of a Dick Dale song kind mm -hmm. of. That's kind of where we're at with this. It's really really great stuff. Cool. Nice. I yeah. Really enjoyed it. That that that's pretty much all I got to say about it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, definitely surf and spaghetti western are great other great examples of where it where the twang traveled, you know, and it's, it's cool because like it basically created those things. And that's, um, sure. Pretty rare to have sort of a ground zero for so many different things. So, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. it's just, 
the guitar tone is gorgeous. It always mm-hmm. is. You know, like I just, I love the, the kind of crystal clear emphasis on like the single notes that go on, you know, mm-hmm. you just don't hear that a lot. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. in terms of just, it's just got that really vintage sound. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, really, really good stuff. I enjoyed it for sure. Nice. Um, okay. So which one do I want to talk about first? I think <laughs> I'm going to go the hip hop route and I think mm-hmm. I'm going to start off with cunning linguists. This is an album called a piece of strange. This is their third album, which came out in 2006. I've been a cunning linguist fan since probably mm, 2002, 2003 ish. They have uh, their first two albums were will rap for food and then Southern underground, which are both like state they were staples in my my hip hop rotation when I was really heavily into the underground indie stuff back in the early to mid 2000s. I didn't really give this album uh, a a chance until later. Um and I'm so glad I did because I think without a doubt in my opinion this is their masterpiece. This is hmm. just a beautifully produced hip hop record. And that's exactly what it is, is a hip hop record, but there's a lot of other things going on. No is the producer in this group. He's also one of the rappers spelled K N O. And then also Deacon, the villain is another one. Now the thing about cunning linguists that I find very interesting is they are a Southern based hip hop group and they really make no, I mean, they don't hide that. You can really Mm -hmm. hear it in the music. Um, I would say probably even more so on the earlier records. Um, but there definitely is a Southern identity that you can definitely hear. I think thematically just with their lyrics and their flows at times, it almost feels like listening to an outcast record or something Mm -hmm. like that. And of course we all know that outcast, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Outcast, the Ghetto Boys, UGK, all of that stuff basically defines Southern rap, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, so Cunning Linguist, um, they, they're actually from Lexington, Kentucky. Hmm. And so Deacon the Villain, vil, excuse me, Deacon the Villain, um, and then Natty, who is the third guy on this album, which actually he's a replacement on the first two albums, uh, they actually, uh, let me see. I can't remember. And I feel horrible. Uh, <laughs> I can't even remember the other guy's name at this point. Uh, but he was the third guy on the first two albums. And then for whatever reason he left, I'm going to actually bear with me listeners because I'm going to actually look it up because it's going to drive me nuts. <laughs> uh, Mr. SOS. That's who that is. Mr. SOS was the third guy on the first two albums. And then it says here that they kicked him out. So I don't know exactly what happened, but he was replaced by Natty on this album. In any case, this album is considered a high concept record in the words of No and Deacon the Villain. Um, And it tells the tale of the pathway to and from sin. And when that totally makes sense when you listen to the lyrics and the, the themes that are kind of coming out. There's a lot of um, what sounds like sort of just 
reflection on life and maybe reflection on, you know, uh, things that a person has done wrong or the struggle between what is right and what is wrong. Uh, there's just some really gorgeous, like almost like flamenco guitars that kind of go into some of this. And it's just got, um, just a really, really smooth, like some, sometimes it almost borders on like G funk or something. Even Mm. it's just got that really smooth sort of hip hop, but there's also still like definitely without a doubt, a rawness to it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, probably even more so than the, the smooth part of it. But I don't know. There's like songs on here, like hellfire, which actually samples the, um, Arthur Brown song hellfire, Mm -hmm. which I think is awesome. Um, and then, uh, one of my favorite songs is called, uh, America loves gangsters. Mm -hmm. Um, never know why, which features the moral technique. Um, Brain Cell has one of my favorite beats, maybe ever on a hip hop record. Mm. But I think that if you're a fan of Outkast, early Kanye, um, even some conscious stuff, like even like I would say, you know, like De La Soul or A Tribe Called Quest and some of the more abstract stuff, like maybe like the West Coast uh, sort of boom bap stuff, like Far Side, I wouldn't call it a boom bap record, but I would Mm -hmm. say that it's as close to a boom bap record as a Southern hip hop record is going to get. And, but at the same time, I, again, I just feel like there's so much more going on here than to just call it one type of a hip hop record. Mm -hmm. Uh, The samples are, are fantastic. They're utilized in a very smart way. Um, yeah, no. And Deacon, the villain and Natty are all just, um, I mean, their their lyrics are just totally just on point with the theme. And you can just tell that a really huge amount of work to produce like a mm-hmm. really high quality record from the end of the cunning linguists themselves was just put forth in this record. If you're a fan of any of yeah. this sort of hip hop, then I, I strongly recommend it. It's I would also recommend checking out their other albums, too. Um you know, this one is definitely the most conceptual, and I think ultimately that's what makes it uh, as good as it is. But mm. there's gems in pretty much this entire group's catalog. Um, so, yeah. W- what did you think, Eric? Yeah. Um, I ended up really liking this. Um, I gotta say, I never, ever ever would have listened to this if you didn't pick it <clears throat> and <laughs> i know that sounds terrible but the name of the group uh the name of the record and the artwork all together would lead me to think this was something different than it ended up being so i'm i'm not gonna say i'm offended by it i don't really get offended by things but it just seemed like it would be really um i don't know i really macho really um sure sure male centric you know um and so if like i said if i would have picked this record up at the record store and looked at it i would have been like no this absolutely is not for me like i just am not into 
that kind of um, thing or what I had thought it was going to be. But I was completely wrong. Um, so I I really liked it. And uh, I loved the sample choices. The production was really cool. When it first started, again, I was like, I don't know. Because it is just sort of like a classical guitar, almost like a flamenco guitar or something. And I was like, okay, well, what's going to happen? And it, but then it changes and it changes like constantly. Uh, and it's, it, it, it's assembled in a really constantly engaging way. Like I was never bored through any of it. And so, and I'm not a big lyrics person, so I didn't really listen to what they were saying that much, but the sound of the voices and the processing of the vocals were really cool. Um, parts of it sounded like the D'Angelo um, record uh, with all the auto tuning things. Yeah. Um, I thought it sounded kind of like Busta Rhymes at times, a real gravelly yep. sound. Yep. Um, my wife was walking by and she said, oh, is that Jurassic 5? Because one of the guys kind of sounds like that verbal Herman Munster guy, you know? And so mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a lot of different vocals happening, <clears throat> which is cool. And like I said, I loved the production. I loved the sound of it. It was a really engaging and cool record. Um, and yeah, I would say that all the things that Dan mentioned, if you're into that stuff, you're probably going to like this because I can't imagine a better uh, example of those things. I really can't. Yeah. I feel like if there were a better example of what these guys were trying to accomplish, I would have heard of it because it would be huge. It would be considered a masterpiece. And not to say that this one isn't, but I can't imagine there's just a better example of this is what I'm trying to say. Um, And speaking of samples, you pointed out the uh, fire the hellfire mm-hmm. sample there was also yep. a really cool sample of melanie who's one of my favorite singers uh the song leftover wine by melanie is the main sample for the song what do you do um mm-hmm. on this so that was really cool as soon as it started i was like what the fuck melanie <laughs> like no hip-hop artist yeah. has ever sampled melanie so um yeah. yeah i ended up thinking it was really cool and enjoying it a lot but the reason I mention all that is because I don't, I don't want the same fate to happen to other people. I don't want them to look at the name, the name of the record, and the cover art and be like, "No, I'm not even going to give this a shot." So, um, it, it's actually funny you mentioned that because I was actually reading an article about this, and Deacon the villain actually mm-hmm. acknowledged pretty much everything you just said. He actually oh, said yeah. that uh, he actually he actually thinks that. And he actually pointed it out in the interview. He said, our whack-ass name might have turned a lot of people off. Well, and, honestly, um, if the name was the same, but the artwork and the name of the record were different, if it were a yeah, little more yeah. subdued and um, cerebral, I think that I think I definitely would have already heard of this record. So yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't want to say they did themselves a disservice because it's not my path. They're on their own path, and they made those decisions and what I think people should do doesn't matter, especially if they're literally 10,000 times more successful than me. But yeah, I think that maybe a few more people would have listened to it if 
if those things were different. So yeah, I don't know. I, agreed. Agreed. It's um, it's definitely one of those. Yeah, it definitely is kind of. It almost falls into the, uh, you know, mindless self indulgence yeah, category in a different sure. way. Yep. You know where you know I I definitely totally get what you're saying there. Um, yeah. And there, you know, just like a lot of hip hop, and I'm I'm not defending it, mm-hmm. but just like a lot of hip hop from this period of time, there is on you know on some some not not really on this record but on mm. other records from this group but other records from other rap groups i listen there is some misogyny that mm-hmm. kind of goes on lyrically and things like that yeah you know yeah and that's definitely not a defense but you know it is what it, it is, is. That, it is just part you know, of it and that, yeah it's just know. part of it it's you part don't of have it to listen down. to things that bother you so exactly you know. exactly um but I do, I, yeah. I just think it's a gorgeously produced. Yeah, I do too. Record. It was really I mean, cool. I think, I think the inclusion of guitars was just mm-hmm. really awesome. On it. Oh yeah, and, they put uh, everything in there. A lot of organ, Hammond organ, all over the place. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it's a really well made record. So, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Moving so on. So my second choice, the third record of the show, is by. A duo called Mrs. Piss. The record is called Self Surgery. It came out in 2020. All right. So Mrs. Piss is a project from Chelsea Wolf and Jess Gowry. Um, I've heard a lot about Chelsea Wolf, but have never listened to her music. So um, I'm not sure where this falls in the realm of what she already does. You know, this might just be run of the mill for Chelsea Wolf. I have no idea. And Jess Gowry is, uh, they had a band together at one point and she also has been putting out stuff, uh, under her own name as well. So anyway, this is a project with those two sort of getting back together and working together on songs. Um, this is a nearly impossible record. For me to describe, uh, I, and honestly, the, I feel like the record that Dan is about to talk about, I won't give it away, but I feel like they're sort of like sister releases in a way. Like they, I'm probably going to talk about them in really similar ways. And it's not because they sound like each other. It's just the approach is similar where it's hard for me to know what the hell is going on. Um, with either of them. So anyway, Mrs. Piss, there are tons of elements in this. Sludgy, industrial, synth wave. Um, but overall, the biggest thing that I took from it was like kind of an, a no noise-oriented punk kind of thing. Um, specifically, I'm talking about Sonic Youth. It, it had a real serious sonic youth element to it for me it wasn't like it was poppy but it's melodic and noisy um so yeah sonic youth i hear a lot in there um early pj harvey in sort of the extreme changes in the sound and also the really blown out production like everything is in the red kind of the entire time tons of effects on the vocals um Vocally, I think it sounded a lot like Susie and the Banshees, um, but that might just be my own 
leaning, you know, as a as a goth, as we all are. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot going on. The elements here are all familiar, I, but they're put together in a really new way. It was super enjoyable. Like I loved, I loved it, and I loved the songs, which with the description I just gave of that ending with, I love the songs might sound funny, but it really was the songs for me that carried this record through. But I would say it goes a lot of places and um, it does go a little noisy. So if you hate noise, don't check it out. But if you can handle a little bit of noise, I think it's super enjoyable and actually a lot of fun to listen to. So what do you think, Dan? Yeah, I, I loved it. Um, it's funny because and I th- I mentioned this to you uh, in a conversation we were having um, uh, one time, Eric, I think mm-hmm. a couple days ago, that um, I had no idea when I was listening to this that this was Chelsea Wolf. Hmm. Um, and until you pointed that out to me, uh, because I listened to it, but I didn't do any research at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I just started listening to Chelsea Wolf. Hmm. So it's kind of um, ironic. Or did, did I tell you that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought I did. I had just started listening to Chelsea Wolf, and she's somebody who's been on my radar for a while because mm-hmm. I have some friends that really dig her. And mm-hmm. so I've been meaning to check her out for a while. Well, I recently made a Spotify playlist of all of her stuff. Cool. And I think I've made it to like her third album. And then I listened to this, and then you mentioned it was a Chelsea Wolf side project because one of the first things that popped up in my mind when I was listening to it is like this is like a more punk rock version of Chelsea Wolf. Mm-hmm. Like that's exactly what I thought of when I listened to it and then you told me that. I hear a lot of like you said sort of shoegazy sonic youth mm-hmm. noisy kind of stuff. I definitely hear that and what it what this record kind of reminds me of is like the aesthetic of that mixed mixed with like a combination of like like almost like a more gothic version of something like Slater Kenny hmm. a whole and um yeah PJ Harvey I definitely hear mm-hmm. a lot but I I mean I kind of hear that sort of in Chelsea Wolf oh, okay. sort of in general but mm-hmm. like there's definitely a darker like side to it. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's 100% everything that Chelsea Wolf touches is just very original and it's mm-hmm. very, very satisfying. This, one of the things I really liked about this record, I liked how it was just really just kind of just punchy and just never mm-hmm. let up. Like it yeah. just really like it's intense and it's, eight song it's only eight songs so Mm -hmm. it's very short and i think that was perfect i think it was the i mean i I don't know if this is considered a full length or an ep but either Mm -hmm. way the length is like the perfect length for it It i'm starting to really get into 20 minute records (laughs) i think they're yeah they're pretty cool records are (laughs) short records are definitely there is something to be said about short records i mean (laughs) for sure especially in this day and age where I think everybody just kind of the attention span is not. Mm-hmm. I I think the attention span of the average music listener is not what it was when 
CDs were in stores everywhere. You have to release a double disc of two 20-minute discs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's a double LP. uh, It's a double LP, exactly. (laughs) I mean, it's not you. You don't really hear. You know, it's it's more difficult to get somebody to listen to like. Like if Tools Anima came out today, I think it would be more difficult to get people to listen to that. If it was Tools like first album, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the you know, then it was in 96 when it came out. You know what I mean? Like, so aside from all that, though, this is fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, If if you're a fan of Chelsea Wolf, if you're a fan of Sonic Youth, the Pixies, even like stuff to a certain extent, like the Velvet Underground or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, uh, Bajas, I heard some of that in there. I, mm-hmm. you know, um, I just, yeah, if you're a fan of like, sort of like shoegazy punk rock with some really rad vocals, um, that's what this is. Yeah. Uh, and if you like Chelsea Wolfe's vocals, you're in luck. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> that, that's what they are. That's what they are. It's, absolutely fantastic but cool yeah yeah i loved it i love this uh mrs piss i also really like the name by the way yeah it's fun to say mrs piss yeah it really is <laughs> okay so geez we're moving right along this is my last uh my last pick isn't it yep and then we're going to talk about sinner friends all right sinner friends so eric kind of already set it up a little bit and i i actually kind of agree with him this is a uh a record from an artist known as EMA. Um, her name is uh, Erica Michelle Anderson, or Erica M. Anderson. So she performs under the name oh, EMA. Oh, makes sense. One of one of the <laughs> things I two things are very interesting about EMA to me. Number one is that there seems to be um, an aura of mystery surrounding her which i like Hmm. because i've tried finding a lot of stuff out uh, you know like i tried to kind of research ema a little bit when i picked this record Mm -hmm. um and there just isn't really a lot of info about her but i know that she's a really great um singer songwriter and she does some of the most some of the strangest I don't even want to call it necessarily pop music, but it kind of is. Uh, and mixed with like the the aesthetic of like, I don't know, art punk or something. Uh, the second thing is how I discovered this, this uh, artist. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't even remember. Oh, I do know how I came across it. So she actually did a what's in my bag. Uh episode uh at amoeba music on youtube (laughs) and i just thought seeing her i was like this she seems really interesting she picked a lot of really interesting like picks Mm -hmm. and i think this is all the way back in like 2010 or 2011 or something but she had a really interesting take on one of the records she picked uh the first george thorogood and the destroyers album Mm -hmm. and my dad is a huge George Thorogood fan, you know, and the way she described that record was like, it was almost like if blues met Krautrock. Hmm. <laughs> and, wow. and I thought that was really interesting. I've never heard anybody like, 
uh, talk about George Thorogood that way. No, I'm going to so, have to t- test that yeah. out. I, I, I don't think she was talking about the sound of Krautrock. I think what she was saying was the way that they they jam. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Like there's almost mm-hmm. like a like a Krautrock aesthetic to like the approach of like blues. I, I'm not sure hmm. what she meant okay. by it. Cool. But it was the most interesting description I've ever heard of a straight up blues musician. Mm-hmm. You know, like I you know, so that caught my eye right away. So then I actually, she does have a Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. but there just isn't a lot of info on it. But I learned that her, this is her second release, mm-hmm. uh, which is called, um, uh, oh my God, you can't, oh, Past Life Martyred Saints. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that I forgot that for a second. <laughs> uh, but her first tape uh, was called Little Sketches on Tape, and it was on none other than Night People Records. Yeah. So it was on uh, Sean Reed's label, yeah. who we interviewed. I was I was I certain no, that's how you found out about EMA, but yeah, that's awesome. But it was that it was a surprise. It was, yeah, it was a total surprise. So, nice. Okay. So let me get into this record. This record is awesome. I absolutely love it. It's just really like this noisy sometimes folky sometimes very indie rock at times almost industrial mm-hmm. uh experimental pop record uh sometimes it reminds me of something like pj harvey sometimes it reminds me of nico sometimes it reminds me of uh you know something like i don't know like um uh, i uh, who's that that one uh pop star that does that foil song uh hmm. i can't remember i'm, I'm drawing a blank <laughs> somebody knows it somebody knows it and i should know it but anyway okay let me think of another like modern uh <laughs> lana del rey or okay. somebody like yeah. that. you know what i mean just sort of like that kind of stuff mm-hmm. like uh but then i just think it has a much more interesting approach than not to not to take because i actually kind of dig some Lana Del Rey but I just think that like obviously the way EMA is approaching her music is she's putting a lot of um experimentation into Mm -hmm. it there's a lot of sounds like very interesting sounds like almost sci-fi-ish the first track um that this record opens up with always blows my mind um because it's like it's like seven minutes long or something like that mm-hmm. but it just it, it starts off um one tempo and then moves into a completely different tempo and guitar part and it almost turns into like a different song it's called the gray ship hmm. it's just absolutely fantastic and the way that it sort of the way that it kind of spins into like that second part really reminds me um sort of like structural wise of like teeth, like God shoeshine by modest mm. mouse. Mm-hmm. And it's just, so you got some of that noodly guitar kind of going on too, like built to spill or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, but at the heart of it, what I think this record is, is an indie rock record mm-hmm. with a lot of different sounds on it. It's um, yeah. Very uh, just, um, I think it's very cool sounding. I, I just, I really like it. Um, what do you think, Eric? 
Oh yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, it was again kind of like um, the Mrs. Piss record. It was really hard to figure out where this sits, which is always good. Like if you hear me say like I am not sure what kind of music this is, that is a positive thing. Like I if I were able to just say this is this, then it's kind of boring and you don't really have much room to explore. It's kind of like when you get a new record <clears throat> usually by a band you already like and then you hear three or four songs on that record and you're like, "Oh, those are my favorites. Those are the best songs." And then like a year later or something you're like, "Those songs suck." The good yeah. stuff is the stuff I didn't expect or know how to take when I first heard it, you know? So um, this is kind of like that. It it it, um, it slowly and seamlessly changes over time, not just within the songs, but from song to song. Every song is sort of different, you know? <clears throat> Excuse me. And yet it's really interesting and enjoyable, but also cohesive in just sort of the atmosphere that's created and you know just kind of has a cohesion just within the record itself even though like i said song by song it's really it really goes a lot of places and it it changes a lot um yeah so it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly what it is um but for me yeah it definitely um the thing it reminded me of the most of, which is going to sound really strange, is the first Roaches record. I don't know, Dan, if you've listened to the Roaches. Hmm. Um, no, I never heard that. It's a group of three sisters, and they they sing uh, in harmony. Um, and it's really good, and it's really folky, but it's really kind of strange and off-putting because their voices are so uh, tight and strange sounding. It was also produced by Robert Fripp. Um, and so you have these really kind of normal folky type songs with this re really crazy three-part harmony. And then all of a sudden, Robert Fripp's guitar comes in and it's just that long sustained notes. I think you were talking about the... the um, Mod uh, modest mouse element of that yeah and i wouldn't be yeah. surprised if we're talking about the same kind of idea with just these long sustained almost fuzzy guitar solos even though they might be three or four notes it's still a solo um but yeah if anyone out there listens to the roaches um and that's their last name it's not like the cockroaches uh, it oh, okay um, okay then i think you're gonna find a weird uh comfort in this EMA record. I don't know how else to describe that, but because of that, it also kind of reminded me of uh, Brian Eno and John Cale mm -hmm. stuff when they've gotten together too. But that's yeah. one side of the music. The other side, I, I would say the softer elements of the breeders um, yeah, and that's Nirvana. Like there's, yep. there's some kind of acoustic stuff that goes in half steps and re really has a, grungy feel to it but then another element of it is like maybe like the yeah yeah yeahs like it's a lot of noise yep. a lot of yep and i don't even dare to say shoegaze because i don't think it's that atmospheric i think it's like noise um but it's it's really well done and really good uh vocally i 
like I said, everything changes all the time, but she really reminded me of uh, Lou Reed and like street hassle era Lou Reed when he's talking a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And therefore also Patti Smith, who does that um, a lot. Kind of that talk singing. Patti Smith in general, I can I think the vocals are similar. But then there's also elements that are like vocally and song performance wise are kind of listless and lazy, which that's not an insult coming from me. But so like Liz Fair always came off as kind of like Yeah. Listless to me. Like not a lot of energy. But that's kind of what makes it cool too. And I guess by default, maybe Mazzy Star or something like that too. But just the general sort of laziness at times, which is awesome because it it gives it a nice, uh, mellow, druggy kind of feel to it. Very cool feel, you know. Um, but yeah, it was super enjoyable. I think I'm going to listen to this one a lot. Like, yeah, I only listened to it a couple times. I was running behind on my music listening for this uh, episode. And I can't wait to get back to this and give it, I don't even know how many more listens, as many as it takes to sort of yeah, understand what's happening. So I loved it's, it. It's definitely, yeah. it's definitely a fantastic record. Everything you said is just so on point as far as like uh, the comparisons go and everything. I mean, it's just, but it's like, so also so EMA's own thing. Oh, as well. for sure. At yeah. the same time. It's so like, honestly it's hard for me to really think of anything else that i can really think that sounds exactly like this oh yeah i can't think of anything exactly like it at all it's it's absolutely fantastic okay so that brings us to the center friends the center friends is the local review that we're doing this week uh, this is going to be a little different than past reviews because we're actually not reviewing like a full length release. Um, what this actually is, is a handful of singles mm-hmm. uh, that they put on Spotify. So, so far, and I think the center friends are going to probably just keep uploading singles on Spotify. That's kind of, what I, th- I don't know if they have plans to eventually release like a like a full length album or not. But I just thought that this was so interesting that we, you know, we should review it um, because mm-hmm. it's uh, coming from uh, somebody who's been actively involved in recording a lot of bands. Um, but he's also performed in other projects uh, that he himself has been into. And we're talking about Mr. Luke Tweedy, who is the founder of flat black studios. Mm-hmm. And he's been a fixture in recording both Iowa city and other regional bands, anybody who comes into a studio. Um, and this dude is a master at uh, recording audio engineering. He's just super good. Uh, one of my bands recorded with him a super long time ago. I have tons of friends that have recorded with him. And so he's got this project called Sinner Friends, and I'm not really sure if it's um, if it's just him, like on the recordings. I don't think so. Um, I'm not sure who else is involved with it. Uh, I do know that there's 
a live video where he has a drummer and I'm not sure if that's a like a permanent member or if it's just just a live performer. Um, but in any case, what this is, is it's, you know, it's a synth project, uh, basically. Uh, but I mean, it's anything but basic. It's done very, very well. Uh, it's not really unlike, um, you know, some of the other stuff that we have reviewed, like Endless Reach. But it's also, at the same time, very unlike all that stuff. It's definitely like its own take on the uh, the sort of synth type stuff. And also there's some soundscape stuff going on throughout the seven singles. So the seven singles are... Uh, as follows. I'm going to go ahead and just release them. And I don't know, I guess we're kind of reviewing it as sort of a makeshift EP. So it's the human error, low key. I'll be on the water boss on the cross here. The hammer falls. Uh, I have to click here. The hammer falls hardest, uh, Cardano ADA and sin coming on. I really like the name sinner friends, by the way. Like I said, Luke has been involved in different projects um, throughout. I don't know. How long would you say he's been a staple in recording like Iowa City bands and like other DIY bands, Eric? At least uh, 20 years at this point. Yeah, yeah. probably. That'd be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. 20 years at, you know, he's his cousin is actually William Elliott Whitmore. Um, and uh He's another excellent artist uh, that I would recommend checking out if you're into sort of um, the more Americana type stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but Sinner Friends, yeah, this is a heavily based synth project, and um, I think it's done really well. Um, there's one of the tracks, I think that it's uh, it's mostly instrumental, but I think it's I'll Be on the Water, I think, has some vocals, some very cool robotic vocals. Mm -hmm. um, so, again, like, I mean, it's it's a different take on on the synth stuff. But I would say that if you're a fan of the John Carpenter stuff, I would say that if you're a fan of Custer and uh, Silver Apples and, you know, um the Stranger Things soundtrack and stuff like that, you would like this for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, to me, like all seven of these are really, really cool. I will say that I, I bet you anything that um, it would be enhanced by the live performance because from what I've seen, you can also go to YouTube and there is um, uh, a video of them performing at this thing that Luke puts on actually at the studio um, outside in his yard because his studio is actually in a barn out in the country. Um, and he puts on this festival called the Gray Area Festival. And Center Friends actually performed there a couple, three years ago. And uh, it just looked like a great time. Um, so I, I think that this is definitely something that it's really cool to listen to. Um, but I bet it would just be a blast to see live. Uh, what did you think, Eric? Yeah, I um, I liked it a lot. I um, I don't. I wouldn't say that I know Luke all that well. Well, I, I don't know. Iowa City's a weird place. I think I've talked about this before, where you can say see the same people for like twenty years and talk to them and see them at shows, and 
and you, you yeah you're you're friendly but you don't really hang out you know what i mean so <laughs> mm-hmm. uh luke and i get along fine and uh he's about the only person in town that i can talk to about modular synths um and usually if we do see each other it's like hi how are you great let's talk about modular synths and that's sure that's it so um yeah it's nice to hear someone having doing a project um with modular uh it's not something that i don't know a lot of people put out their modular music i mean at least around here um this might be the only project that i can really think of in this area um but yeah it it's cool because it utilizes um samples uh at least it sounded like samples to me uh vocals on some songs um which definitely takes it out of the realm of just kind of your standard modular noise scapes which um unfortunately is sort of the standard for this kind of music is just you know the general i think i've talked about the noise the noise performance arc you know you get quiet you get really loud you get quiet again um yep and that takes 20 minutes so this doesn't necessarily fall into that i definitely feel like there's a goal here um and it, they do come off as songs versus just explorations um i think that the way luke switches um what's happening i i don't know how much of it's live i don't know how much of it's recorded it's not like he doesn't have the resources to um record m- multiple tracks <laughs> and mix them and do right. things with them um but i would guess that a lot of this is sort of happening in real time because that's kind of the joy of modular you know is that things grow and change um with little nudges from you but they a lot of times do sort of their own thing and there's elements of that that come off uh, come through on this but also very in control I, i don't think any element of this has been left to um chance but um it definitely isn't overdone as well um there's uh it's it's and because this isn't a release this uh, i i'm not going to talk about how different everything is or how maybe there's uh not a lot of connective tissue or whatever because that's not what's happening here this is seven singles you know and so i think they should be kind of looked at it on their their own merit um and with that being said almost every one of them is slightly different than the other you know um they have some things that have stretchy bouncy fun synths um with subtle rhythmic elements other things with heavy drums almost transam level drum parts there's things with nice use of like the carpless strong synthesis which i've talked about before that's sort of like the filter use for the harp sound or like drops drippy string pluck sounds there's a lot of that going on a lot of great use of white noise um a a lot of carpenter john carpenter-esque synth leads that are arpeggiating and and being run through a filter um i think that's the one you you said if you like stranger things that's kind of like the the recipe for that sound right um that track's called the human error it was one i really liked a lot um the the first one 
Well, I don't know. We listen to them all in different orders, I'm sure. Well, so I, I think yeah, I started no, but, at the, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was the first one that, I, at least it's the earliest one listed on. Oh, okay. I think album. I went backwards, so. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, sorry about that. The reason why I said yeah. that, though, um, that just reminded me, I absolutely love how that starts out with sort mm-hmm. of like a pre, what sounds like a pre-programmed sort of, uh, what do they call that? Just like a, um, you know, like the like you were saying, the arpeggiated yeah, sort of, right. you know. Yep. And then all of yeah. a sudden, this really dark, brooding, like, yeah. you know, a big it's fat the best. Yeah, the big in. fat tone. Yeah. I that blew me away. How that yeah. Yeah. those two like interconnected there. Uh, sorry to interrupt there. Eric. Oh, not at all. Yeah, because it does have sort of that arpeggiated thing, but it also does have those kind of drippy sounds too. It's really nice. Um, there's also in the track low key, there was a really nice, um, almost can ish read synth sound, almost like Mm -hmm. a accordion or something. Um, I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, I, I liked everywhere that this went. Um, like I said, it's not, it doesn't, come off as super cohesive but that's not the point like i sort of felt weird reviewing this without it being an actual release anyway so hopefully that doesn't offend luke or anyone else but um i think that it was cool to talk about it because i've wanted to talk about sinner friends for a while and until we get a release this is what we got to work with so um yeah and and i just he made an announcement on uh instagram about it um, and I was just like, you know what? That's a perfect opportunity. Yeah. Even though it's not like, cool. I totally, I totally get what you're saying about the whole release thing. That's why I, I wanted to list off each individual right. song. Yeah, for uh, sure. Because to emphasize that this is not yeah. a full length album mm-hmm. and in no way. But if there's anybody right. in this scene, in this local music scene, like, and when I say local I'm not talking about Muscatine because if I was, that would be sad. Because um, Muscatine, I mean, there are some, have been some great bands from around here. But, you know, I'm not just talking about where I, I'm talking about Iowa City, Quad Cities, hell, even Des Moines, Waverly, wherever. Mm-hmm. Iowa, Illinois. Yeah. If there's anybody who's going to do electronic music in any capacity and is going to just completely deliver on every expectation in a good way in like a phenomenal way it's gonna be luke tweedy <laughs> like mm-hmm. that that dude just like i said he's he's a wizard when it comes to like i feel just the studio you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i i've and i've recorded in a lot of studios and i still to this day i can't think of someone who just he knew his way around and I'm talking, mm-hmm. I mean, it's been 15 years since I've recorded with him. Mm-hmm. Um, my interactions with Luke are very similar mm-hmm. uh, to yours. You know, we run into each other every now and then uh, before then it was just pretty much limited to when I went to the record collector. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. another piece of knowledge is that he used to actually work at the record collector in Iowa mm-hmm. city. And every time I went up there, I would kind of talk to him about music and stuff I remember he uh, always, one time I bought a whole bunch of different stuff and he pointed out how eclectic my music taste mm. seems to be. <laughs> yeah. And I took that as a compliment, you know? Nice. And so we got in, we got to talking. And, uh, but 
Yeah, I, I, I can't think of anybody who um, knows his way around a studio better than Luke Tweedy mm-hmm. uh, around this area. I mean, there, there's a lot of really good people that, you know, are really good in the studio. But Luke Tweedy definitely has his own stamp, you know, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I, I expected Center Friends to be good. And I definitely, I think he delivered. I, I hope they put out, there's two things I hope. Number one, I hope they do put out a full length because I would love to hear a full length from this group mm-hmm. or at least an EP. Um, or like I said, I don't know if Center Friends is just Luke or if it's like a group. I don't really know much about Center Friends other than Luke Tweedy yeah. is involved. I think um, last time I talked to Luke, it was just him, but who knows? Okay. But that's been a so, while. So, so I hope that this project puts out a full link. Number two, and Luke, if you're going to listen to this, this is, uh, this is, I'm just going to throw this out there. I hope you come on our podcast and talk to us about everything <laughs> and give us, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I would hope that I, I think Luke should come on the podcast. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, I think that um, it'd be pretty fun to ask him about all that. And yeah, yeah, he's got a long history here, so for sure. All right. So an invitation to Luke Tweedy. Yeah. Thank you for putting out the Center Friends project. It was really good. So I'm I'm looking at this bottle of water, and I didn't realize this, but high V water mm-hmm. is purified by reverse osmosis. Oh, yeah. That thing that gets all of the um, bad stuff out of water. Mm-hmm. It's uh, true. Yeah, it has something to do with it, rocks. <laughs> like the Aerosmith album? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Everything has to do with Aerosmith. <laughs> Definitely in the 80s and 90s it seemed that way. <laughs> At least the radio. Well, I guess the radio yeah. still has everything to do with Aerosmith nowadays. Pretty much. Still... Because they haven't evolved. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You'd have to be crazy to uh, to to not listen to Aerosmith. Wasn't that one of their songs, Crazy? <laughs> yeah. And if you've never heard it, I bet that you were crying. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> when you met me. You yeah. Know, or or maybe Aerosmith. you were just out there living on the edge. And, yeah. you know, and sometimes that's <laughs> you... what it takes. You know, you beat me to it. I was going to say something and then you beat me to it. Well, I'm sorry to treat you like a rag doll. Damn. Uh, <laughs> you know uh, that uh, Steven Tyler really likes the color pink because it's his favorite color. Wait, what? Oh, pink. That, yeah. You know that song, don't you? Yeah. I just heard it uh-huh. the other day for some reason and I had forgotten about it completely. So. Um, you know, it's, they it's, really it's, did it's, have a lot of hits. <laughs> what's re- yeah, they they really did. What's weird about that is I don't know what that song's necessarily about, like <laughs> other than just like pink is his favorite color. But it seems like he's embracing like this idea that like what 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 you sound very hesitant to talk about this. I think Aerosmith songs are only about one thing. He's just being very specific about this, about it in this song. Oh, tell me what that one thing is. Getting laid. (laughs) Is that really what that song? I know that like, obviously like love in an elevator and stuff like that is about that, but 
Yeah. I mean, that's that's not what living on the edge is about, isn't it? I mean, or I, I <laughs> well, don't know. Even like, if subject matter wise, here's here's my take on Aerosmith. Right. So the other guys in the band write a really cool intro, like the intro to Janie's Got a Gun. Right. Awesome. Right. And then right. Steven Tyler and Joe Perry say, OK, yeah, that's real good. But how's it going to get me laid? And then they take over and write it into some just dumbass blues rock song. That that's my theory. Well, okay, anyway. okay, all right. I get what you're saying. So, all right. So it's not necessarily um, even the content that yeah. of the lyrics. Well, not always, it's but just, I think Pink is uh, pretty much just about you know uh, getting laid. Sex. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. All right. Never mind. I was gonna I was gonna talk about like since you put it that way, that totally makes sense. But like. I was literally going to like talk about something else and mm, I'm sorry glad to interrupt. <laughs> well, no, but it's actually, it ended up being better that you interrupted me and oh. explained it to me because apparently, um, I don't know what, I didn't know what the song pink was actually mm. about, but yeah, I only heard to be fair. I've only heard that song really only like two. I don't even know why I referenced it because I've only heard it like <laughs> twice. So it's pretty funny. Like I've heard living on the edge a hundred times, but I will say though, that the weird owl version is far superior. And I don't know why that wasn't a single from him. Hmm. Living in the fridge. <laughs> nice. Pink yeah, as great. the bing on your cherry. Okay. So pink, that's our, cause right. you are so very pink. It's the color of passion. Because today it just goes with the fashion. Oh, so maybe it is about wearing pink clothes. Hmm. Well, see, that's kind of what I was wondering because, okay, <laughs> all right. This is what I was going to say then, okay? So it seemed like he was embracing the fact that it's okay for a man to wear pink, which, you know, hmm. yeah. which is something that has kind of not been, like, according to, you know, the male societal standards or whatever, mm -hmm. like... You know what I mean? Like pink. Except is, for him. Dudes don't wear pink. He's been wearing pink. He's, he's, he's the he whole even time. sings about it. Yeah, he right, right, wears right. like okay. a pink uh, jumpsuit, I think, in the Walk This Way video, if I, don't, if I remember right. <laughs> right, right, right. But then, but then, like, in the 80s, they had, like, dude looks like a lady, you know? Mm -hmm. I actually found out, I guess, it was actually mocking a specific person who was in another band. Hmm. At that time. Oh, I see. I think yeah. it might have been mocking Vince Neil. Hmm. Or somebody like that. I see. Vince Neil or maybe Brett Michaels or somebody like hmm. that. But then didn't Steven Tyler hmm. wear makeup too? Um yeah, I think he still does. Yeah. yeah. And in fact he wears pink. Yep. So there you go. Another contradiction in rock music. <laughs> they exist. It's the biggest part of rock music. It really is, yeah. Rock music may be the most hypocritical style of yeah. music out there. Don't do as I do. Do as I say. Walk this way. Mm -hmm. Walk this way. <laughs> I think that's the lyrics, right? No, it's not. <laughs> I'm just, just lying. That's what I do best. You know, I, I, I almost trained myself to be like, really? Those are the lyrics? But then I realized that, no, they weren't. <laughs> You're starting to pick up on my lying voice. So a little bit. Yeah, yeah, good. You're so you're so convincing with that. You're <laughs> you're a really, really good non-truth teller. Thanks. I've been working on yeah. it for a long time. 
<laughs> Let's just lie about it. Um, so, folks, this has been really fun, hasn't yeah. it? Uh, talking about Aerosmith. And oh, yeah. Soda. We talked about caffeine. We talked about consequences in life. And <laughs> we talked about like uh, the new suicide VR app we're developing. Yeah, the suicide VR app. <laughs> and I thought it was a V8 app. So. Kill yourself in the comfort of your own home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'll tell you what, folks. Uh, this, was a, this was a hell of a ride. So if you have any, um, I don't know, questions or complaints, yeah, please just um, uh, send them to the Accelerative Thrust Facebook or the Instagram they're both accelerative thrust, mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, we would be glad to hear them. And yeah, so uh, you all have a great. Oh, one more thing. Oh, sorry oh, to interrupt. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, next episode we're gonna have Gabby Vanek on uh, to be interviewed. So make sure you listen for that because it mm-hmm. it should be pretty cool, fun, and interesting. Uh, she's a real cool person. So. Yeah. All right. Yes, that'll be awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And you all have a wonderful day, night, uh, afternoon, whenever. Future. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's what I'm going to say. A, you all have a good future. A good future. <laughs> have a great future. Lady. That's what I'm going to say no, from now on no. because it makes more sense than... Yeah, it's too much work to say day, evening, afternoon. It's like, yeah, ah, I could just cover it all by saying future because there's no way they're going to listen to this in the past. They can't. We're listening no. to it currently. There is no yeah. past. Yeah, there is no past. It doesn't exist. Yep. The only past that exists is in our minds. Mm-hmm. It's within us. Yeah. So, and the future, the, what was it that Beck said one time in an interview? He said, the past is a canceled check. Whoa. Your maximum port of power is now. Wow. Yeah. That bet. And he was lighting up he, he was lighting up a pipe while doing so. Made it all make sense. Alright, uh, so yeah, have a good future, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Bye.